Welcome to 30 Seconds Flat. This is the only podcast with no attachments that will walk out on you as soon as we feel the heat coming. I don't know what the heat is. Should we think of what the heat is for this show? What do we mean by heat? The heat is on? Is that? No, that's... I don't know. Sorry. If, wrong if the wrong heat, direction. Uh, that's... Uh, should the heat be running out of heist films to talk about? We'll walk out on this podcast if we run out of heist films? I don't know. I don't know if that's a good slogan for the show or not, but that's as it's, far as I got. You know, I've been seeing movies since I was uh, a, a kid and, and I'm nearly 50 and only one movie have I ever been to where people walked out. And now that I think about it, it could be argued that might have been a heist film. Okay. I have a follow-up question for you. What was the movie? It was uh, Pulp Fiction. You saw people walk out of Pulp Fiction in 1995. I saw, uh, there were a couple of uh, nice elderly folks, a husband and wife. It was a matinee mm-hmm. showing. It was the Carlton Theater in Toronto. And uh, the theater was not very busy. It was the second time I had seen it. I was seeing it with people who had not seen it before. We were all enjoying the film. And they did not like the salty language. And they yes. got up and, uh, and left. Now... I, you could strongly make the argument that Pulp Fiction is, is not a heist film, though it does perhaps feature some elements of what makes a heist film, which could be something yeah. that we might be discussing in the very near future. I'm going to be quizzing you later in this episode about some movies that may or may not be heist films because I want to get your take on how we should approach them. And I do think this should be a show where we make room for movies that don't completely fit the technical definition. Um, maybe that's my scholarly background, but maybe we're also getting ahead of ourselves because if this is a recording we're going to release, we're calling this episode zero. Maybe we should start by introducing ourselves. I am Chris Cooling, and I am co-hosting this, uh, this nascent, this emergent, this zero episode, uh, podcast with my good friend, Sean Champagne, uh, who I met in university at Innes College, Toronto, the film, uh, college, Sean, if I said to you, how many years has it been since we've known each other, since we've met, what number would you come up with? I know exactly. In fact, today yeah. is the 30th of August, and we mm-hmm. met in 1993 Yeah, at the end of August, beginning of September. Could this, in fact, be our 30-year anniversary today? Yeah, it I'm may not going to look it up. Be... Let's say it is. Um, you... Uh approached me about this. You're the Danny Ocean of this operation. And you said, Chris, would you like to get involved with the heist movie podcast with me? I want to hear more about that. Where did the idea come from? How did it turn into an idea for a podcast? And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts about what this podcast should be? Let's um, allow you're the Danny Ocean of this podcast to percolate uh, for a moment or two before we, we continue. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So in, in my work, I spend a lot of time behind the wheel, um, eight hours mm-hmm. a day, and you get a little tired of talk radio and call-in shows complaining about the local sports team. So several years ago, I transitioned to podcasts. I listened to three or four podcasts a day. 
and mm. my podcast listening reflects my my interests, my hobbies. I love heist movies, and I have never once heard of a dedicated uh, podcast to heist films. They, they are certainly out there, but one has mm. never crossed my path. And I thought uh, a, a podcast is something I have considered doing. Um, you mentioned earlier, I, I'm a big fan of gaming. Uh, I do a lot of uh, online gaming with my friends. We've considered doing live streams, uh, which mm-hmm. is very, very popular in that space. Uh, but I like the audio appeal of a podcast. And uh, I, I, of course, thought of you, uh, someone who shares my love of heist films and mm-hmm. has academic credentials to, uh, to back that up. So I figured I should probably talk to Chris. And you immediately loved the idea. Yes, I did. Uh, that is not an exaggeration at all. I, I jumped on the idea. You were, were very persuasive, um, but I also have enough passion for the material that it, I did not need any convincing. And so you mentioned letting it percolate that you are Danny Ocean. Mm. Um, I mentioned that because you are the one getting the team together mm. and I'm the one that you sought out and said, okay, I need a collaborator who's got a, a relevant skill, who's got specialized knowledge. And you sought out your friend who's got a film PhD. So you're the leader. You're the one who said, let's get this show on the road. And I'm the guy who has a particular set of skills. I don't know if that makes me Brad Pitt to your uh, George Clooney or, or whether we should bother with the analogy at all. You, you said, let's let this percolate. I don't know if we want to call this uh, Champagne's 2. You know? <laughs> Sean's last name is Champagne and my last name is Cooling. And my original suggestion was oh. that the last that the name of the show should just be our last names cooling champagne or champagne cooling both of those are very beautiful um phrases i think so just on that level i'm glad that we're finally collaborating on something we could have started a law firm uh yeah for me it was when we went to go see the long kiss good night that i think that was oh. i i imagine seeing a screenplay credit saying co-written screenplay by Sean Champagne and Chris Cooling, And I said, people would think those were not real names. People uh, would think those were pseudonyms for some other person. Now you will, uh, but you of course remember where we saw the long kiss goodnight? I'm... Did... Oh, you do not remember. No, I would have educated guesses, but I don't have... A... I remember that we... I remember that it included footage outside of the Bloor Theater that there, some of the movie takes place in an alley behind the Bluer Theater, but I don't know if we saw it at the uh, Bluer Theater. We saw it at the Bluer Theater. Because okay. the entire movie theater, there's like a, a knife fight or a, a, a fisticuffs of some kind in an alleyway directly across from the Bluer Theater. And the entire audience immediately mm-hmm. recognized it. And that was the biggest reaction the film got. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a fun film, but that, I like was the big, that was the biggest reaction that, yeah. uh, that got. I want to say... There used to be a Taco Bell across the street from uh, this sounds familiar. Lord Cinema, and I believe I have been. In, I've actually sifted through the dumpster of the Taco Bell in the alleyway across from the Blur Theater. <laughs> we, I have follow up questions. Uh, they they all start with the word "why." I don't know if I should try to be clever. You, you're setting me up perfectly to ask you a follow-up question. Uh, a, a, very good friend of, a very good friend of mine was visiting from out of town, and we went to Taco Bell and had lunch together. And mm-hmm. he decided to clean out the contents of his overstuffed wallet. 
uh, at the table and was getting rid of things he did not need. So uh, we proceeded to leave the restaurant and go to our next stop. And he realized he had thrown out an important piece of photo ID. I can't recall if it was his driver's license, his student ID. It was something he needed. So we went back to the Taco Bell and he said, uh, do you mind if I go through the garbage can? I've accidentally thrown something out. And the manager said, well, here at Taco Bell, we pride ourselves on emptying the garbage cans every 20 minutes. So that garbage can has been emptied since then. You're free to look in the dumpster in wow. the alleyway, um, but that's the best I can do. So I accompanied him to the dumpster. And for some reason, I'm not sure why 19-year-old Sean decided at Taco Bell why I needed a carton of milk. But I, I consumed a carton of milk with my lunch. And oh that, was what, that was what we were looking for because we actually we gamed it out. Oh, because no one else would have had a carton of milk. Exactly. So you've got the neighborhood. You've pinpointed. Good strategy. uh, We did find some bags of like refried beans that had expired, rather large ones that had been thrown in there by the staff. The story, I don't think it's not important if he found the ID (laughs) because I don't even remember if he did. But I remember that he he was in the garbage at the Taco Bell across from the Bloor Cinema. So that is. The right. very alleyway that was featured in that film. I will say, once you get into a dumpster behind a Taco Bell with, with expired bags of refried beans, yeah. it really doesn't matter anymore if you find what you're trying to find. You've already found where you are in life. You've already found yourself in a, a, a dire set of circumstances that you should not allow yourself to get to. So, yeah, you're right. I, naturally, I would have asked, does he find it in this story? But he finds that getting into a dumpster at Taco Bell is already an ending that you should not The uh, object lesson from the story to. is dr- drink more milk, kids. Yes, drink your milk. Go to Taco Bell and drink your milk. I'm surprised For, it was on the menu now that I think about it. Yeah, I wonder if it's still there. It's good Canadian milk and get it with your tacos. For some reason, there's a school of thought that says your John Wayne impression should include references to drinking your milk. He's like, come on, kids, drink your milk. I'm a role model for you. So that's why I'm doing John Wayne. Why heists? You like lots of movies, and I like lots of movies. I didn't get into the film uh, PhD business just because I only like heist movies. I like lots of movies, any movies that are good. But I will admit, there is something exciting and appealing about the heist film. But I want to know your answer before I offer mine. There are things I dislike in movies immensely. There are things I like a lot in movies. And one of the things that I appreciate the most about the genre is a highly convoluted, complex, almost incomprehensible plan, which is being fed to you bit by bit. And you don't even realize it until the end when, like a perfect heist, everything fits together like the mechanism of a expensive Swiss watch. And you get that sense of satisfaction. This is an experience that I have just gone through. I have seen how they make the hot dog. It has all come together. And now uh, this is the conclusion. And you can think back and realize, you know, oh, yes, that was there. This was there. Everything was happening in front of me. And I didn't realize it. That to me is is one of my favorite movie going experiences when that happens. And good heist films which we will discuss in the future, do that really, really well. Not all of them. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a difference between a great heist film and a good heist film. 
but those are the ones that I enjoy the most. And it, it's just a very satisfying film going experience. Yeah. I think that there's something to that. I think there is something to be said about this as the core of the, of the genre is that heist movies often are metaphors for movies, period. They're, they're allegories for the appeal of watching exciting movies that, a team of people is getting together to put on a show to entertain you. They're going to use style. They're going to manipulate you. You're going to enjoy being manipulated. You're going to enjoy the fact that you don't always know everything you want to know. You're going to learn the things that you need to know when the movie tells you you need to know it. You're going to think that you can get ahead of the movie, and the movie's going to say, no, no, we've been planning on that. That was part of our plan for you to assume that these things would happen, and in fact, these other things will happen. And so I think if you go to something like Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven or even the re recent Mission Impossible movies, those are all allegories for how you should make movies. You should make movies stylishly and you should let the talent be the talent and you should do things in a certain way. You shouldn't just do spectacular things. You should do them in wonderful organic ways, clever ways, rather than smothering CGI all over them. Um, Heist films can be beautiful and at times spectacular, but they're not really very expensive. They don't have to be hugely, hugely expensive. Instead, they have to be smart. And I think the, the ways in which we as audience goers like what the heist movies do are meant to be equivalent to the ways in which the criminals are wowing the world with their elaborate heists. It's not so much about what they're trying to steal so much as showing the world that they can do it, that they could do it in style. Heist movies are very much about style, not what you're stealing, but how you're getting it and the approach. And so as someone who just loves filmmaking and film language, it's very exciting to talk about movies where style and, and talent and expertise and skill are centralized. It's funny you mentioned a show and it's, it's being put on for our entertainment. And I thought of attending a stage show, like Illusionist, like a Penn and Teller, uh, mm -hmm. something along those lines. Uh, Doug, uh, Doug Henning. Henning. Uh, yeah. uh, is it Doug Hemming? Hen Henning. Sorry. Henning. Yeah, yeah. I, I said it correctly then. Yes. I didn't mean to correct you. I was trying to, I was trying to help you with something you were struggling, not to correct you. Uh, I will correct you a lot. It's my, that is my academic nature. I, I sympathize. But in this case, I was trying to be helpful. And the, there's that payoff is still there with like a big Vegas-style magic show. But you mm -hmm. don't get to see how it was done. You simply know that something complex and convoluted happened. And right. it's almost like, you, you know, you are... Uh, I, I find that interesting, especially because... Uh, you know, at least one relatively successful and popular heist film is set in the world of magic, which is Now You See Me. That's correct. And my 16-year-old daughter specifically said, if there's one movie she wants to see us discuss, it's her favorite heist film, which is Now You See Me. I ha Tell her I haven't seen it yet. I'm now You've never seen it, really? It, this is the most embarrassed I've ever been not to have seen it. I'm letting your daughter down. But yeah, I haven't got to it yet. I don't will, know why. We'll get it, to it. I, I like the idea of alternating who gets to choose because uh, I feel like there will be more recent movies like that one that you say, Chris, you haven't seen this and I will be able to do older movies. Now, um, do you remember the, the first time that you 
saw a movie and had that experience for you where you said that was like you use the term smart and it's it's a smart cool film and to me that's really important because that's why i like about heist films do you remember one of the first ones that surprised you where you didn't know what you were going to get and you were you were obviously younger and then you you finished it and thought that was a smart that was a smart cool movie that i didn't see coming can you remember what the first one was well if I'm going to talk, I'm going to answer indirectly and then directly. My indirect answer in terms of just my earliest memories of an actual heist would be the robbery that opens the return of the Pink Panther. Um, in the late 70s, one of the Pink Panther sequels starts with a heist sequence. And I remember that was probably my first introduction to just the visual style of, of a heist. It's kind of not really a heist movie it is just a movie that opens with a heist and then the rest of the movie is uh, inspector clouseau trying to catch the the kill not the killer what's the criminal's name the the pink he, panther is that i thought that's the name of the diamond that they're oh, going wait, after you're right it is he's the phantom the phantom it is a p he puts down a glove with a p on it and he he goes by the phantom um but it had all the business of um the laser lights that one of the things that the, that the cat burglar does in the introduction to the movie is he has an aerosol spray and he sprays through um, the, the space in front of him and the aerosol spray detects the lasers in front of him. And I remember thinking that was incredible um, and that he's got to put wax on the floor and use a crossbow to uh, launch a cable to the other end of the room and then pull himself along the cable while being lower than the laser light ahead of him that he wasn't able to see the invisible eye, all of this stuff. I marveled at as a child, the, the, the question that you're asking me comes later. First, I just loved the magic. I just loved the, the imagery. I loved the sense of performance. I loved the sense of the level of dif difficulty of being able to find the laser lights, use the crossbow, send in the cable, put the wax on the floor to smoothly pull your body um, flat against the floor under the laser light, use the claw arms to get the jewel out without breaking any more of the laser lights. I remember thinking, I just love that sense of the suspense, uh, the problem solving, the mechanics, the level of difficulty. And, and again, the, the circusness of it, the high wire, the, the, you know, the the performativity the the sleight of hand the magic truly the magic of it the, the question that you were directly asking is when did i later see a movie where i thought to myself oh wow it had all of these twists it had all of these turns that is something I, it's harder for me to pinpoint but i remember as a as more of like a teenager you know i can i saw a movie called sleuth with it's not a heist movie, but it's a puzzle movie. It's a mystery with Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine. And the two of them are also kind of setting traps and puzzles for each other. And you can figure out what they are and you can play along. And it is a movie that announces itself as a game. I don't know if it would fit this show, but that's something I would say, oh, wow, this is a movie that has many twists up its sleeve. It's adapted... I don't know if it's actually adapted from a play, but it feels very theatrical. It does have the sense of just 
the tricks, the puzzles, the small cast. And um, I definitely would recommend it. There, there's a certain, uh, it's funny, because I had a certain movie in mind when I asked you that question that would okay. have been my answer. And uh, I, I quickly looked it up uh, in the reference library while you, oh. were, you, while you were speaking. And I saw the year and I thought, well, that can't be right. Because I can think of another film that 100% hit all those points for me that came out two years before. So the one I was thinking of was The Spanish Prisoner. Okay, okay. Which I don't even know if you could consider that to be a heist film or if it's more of a con job. That's what I would say, yeah. Yeah. A, a con artist movie. like Exactly. Because yeah. it's one of those films where at the end all these things are revealed that have been happening that you've been seeing on the screen and didn't realize were actually occurring in front of you and it kind of takes you through it and then i realized the usual suspects would have come out two or three years before that that's 95 uh, right? that was 95 and yeah. the usual suspects obviously has some baggage uh, yes it does because of some people who were involved in it. Uh, yes, but- I used to go to USC Film School. They nearly named their department after one of those baggage holders. He's got caught up in baggage claim, and he won't be able to join us. He's stuck waiting for his baggage to arrive. We are not referring to Benicio del Toro. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that that hit a lot of those points, that film. Yeah. And that, that, I think, was one of those where people would ask you, hey, did you see a movie? And you would tell them, well, you have to see it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. tell you. Pre-internet, pre-spoilers, pre-Wikipedia, etc. You know, that you know, you, you, you have to go see that movie. I'm right. not going to tell you what happens. I'm not going to spoil it for you. And I think that's an important element as well, is uh, the fact that there's something there that you need to, to see for yourself to right. enjoy it that you don't want to have spoiled for you because there are those twists and turns uh, that will make it far more enjoyable for you as the moviegoer. So for you, part of the excitement is that the movie itself feels like a bit of a heist, that the movie feels like the storytelling itself is an elaborate plan and you are trying to, it's trying to get one over on you and you have to see if you can keep up with the cleverness of it because that's absolutely what The Usual Suspects is doing. It has one of the most famous plot twists in film history. It, that plot twist is a big reason why it gets the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Um, and I don't think it's an accident that the writer who got that Oscar is now in charge of the Mission Impossible franchise, which is probably as close as we get to current heist movies today. Um, they're kind of crypto heist movies or, you know... Um, all those missions and all, again, Tom Cruise often has some sort of literal heist in those movies where he has to steal something, but the movies themselves are also full of twists, pulling off masks, double crosses, plots within plots and schemes. So that even when you're not actually observing people being sneaky and stealing objects and lowering their bodies under laser lights, the entire film has the delight and the mystery and the surprises and subterfuge of of a team of people pulling one over on you. It's, it's funny you use Mission Impossible because I'm thinking to when I was a kid and Mission Impossible as a television show would have preceded my childhood, but it was on in reruns. And yeah. it was something that you would watch on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, it's one of those instances where 
a very successful movie franchise has been developed from from television. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just trying to, to recall, there are some out there which probably lie outside the scope of, of our project, but uh, a week-to-week heist television series. There, yeah. there have been some. Mission Impossible may be the granddaddy of them all. Uh, yeah. And they certainly pay homage to it uh, in, in the films uh, with oh, the yeah. masks and the scenery and changing things around and uh, not necessarily a lot of like the big special effects, but the little things they do. Uh, in fact, does the very first Mission Impossible film not open with a scene where they are trying to fool someone into giving up an important piece of information and it's seen are you seeing it on a screen there are definitely screens um and, and it's yes. tom cruise is a is he playing like a russian officer he's a someone, southern he's a southern polit wait no before he's that. a southern that's yeah you're right you're right the very first scene he is playing you might be right he's a russian officer and and that's basically that was yeah. the tv show where they would yeah. use makeup and wigs and mm. You know, you're in an apartment, but you think you're in an office because they've redone the decor. That was the yeah. TV show. And uh, there, I mean, it's tough to do for television because, I mean, it's different now with, with shorter seasons. Um, but, I mean, mm-hmm. when I grew up, like TV seasons had, you know, 25, 30, 30 episodes. And it's tough yes. to do that week in and week out, the heist of the week. Yes, some of them are silly. We can amuse ourselves uh, by saying, let's find the weirdest Mission Impossible episode because some of them are very strange and they, they do become psyops, right? It does have that feeling. Often they will have to steal something. They will have to break in somewhere or break out of something um, or remove an object or extract information or extract a person. But also, as you say, the, the heist film should be feeling like a heist through the entire running time, not just the parts where people are stealing things. And Mission Impossible as a TV show was always like that, that as soon as they got their mission, everything they did was about manipulating the world around them, the people around them, conning them. They, they, they are con job movies. They're spies who are doing psychological operations. Often it is about manip- use this person's phobias uh, or, or grief or fear of something or psychologically something that happened to them so that they don't go ahead with this invasion of this third world country. You know, um, there, there are the mechanics of a detailed heist sequence, but also the general pleasures of twisty, manipulative, con artist, criminal people using their skills for something that we can get joy out of watching. Um, and that's something to think also is like the morality of this, right? Uh, often, I mean, almost exclusively, heist movies are about criminals. True. Uh, is that a Robin Hood, uh, you know, uh, effect? Just, uh, yeah. You know, uh, in, they're not necessarily stealing from the rich to give to the poor, though that does happen in some heist films. And I've just mm-hmm. thought of a great one. I'm going to uh, to make a uh, a note of, but do uh, tell. Uh, so uh, why uh, why wait? What's right there is there are some uh, tower heist. Okay. Yes, that's a Bernie Madoff allegory, right? Exactly. They want to give us, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, heist is literally, 
it's literally in the name of the film. I mean, there's even a yeah. heist movie called The Heist. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think f- there are a couple, yeah. There's exactly or The Job. Uh, yeah. the Italian the bank, job. The bank job is a good heist movie. Yeah. David Mamet, who made the Spanish prisoner, also made a movie called Heist with Gene Hackman and Danny DeVito. So. Uh, which came out the same time as The Job. Okay. Uh, now, there was a time in Hollywood where there would be a lot of confusion because they would produce two asteroid movies in one summer. Or That's two... Volcano two, movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a, it, for a few years there in the, the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. That, that Computer-generated insect movies. Yes. They made two of those. Yeah, yeah. And so I believe um, there's the heist. I hope I'm not wrong in saying it's the job. So the heist is the David Mamet film with mm-hmm. Gene Hackman. And yes. is it also Delroy Lindo? You may be right. I believe it's Delroy Lindo. And David Mamet's wife rebecca pigeon yeah i believe she's she in is there. also in it now there was she another is. movie that came out at roughly the same time with robert de niro marlon brando and, and edward norton edward norton and it was set in our fine country of canada in the that's city right. of montreal that's and, called the score oh the score yeah that's why uh, i couldn't place the job yeah the score and i have a friend who believes that's one of the best heist films he's ever seen and interesting I, I told him that no, I preferred uh, the Heist. David Mamet film, and we have had some rather keen arguments over the years about which one is better. And those two came out at roughly the same time, yeah, uh, certainly within twelve months, I would think of each other. And both of them have very straightforward names, saying, "Hey, yeah. hey, this is a heist movie. Sit down. We're getting down to this business. This is a heist yeah. movie. It's right here in the name." I my memory is that I preferred the score to Heist. The Mammoth one, I think it is just called Heist, um, mm-hmm. but I would need to go back. I think both of them are movies where I need to watch them fresh to say, well, what do I really think about these? I don't know if I had a complete critical eye. And I, I will say also, I just don't remember that much about either of them. If, if the movie is going to be really good, there should be some details that I remember. To say, okay, oh. well, that was the one where they had to do this. That was uh, the one where they I stole by the, the twist. In, okay, in, well, and and uh, that that is why I, I to me okay. it's always the twist heist. Okay, there is a great twist at the end. But now, but now this does um, present uh, an interesting uh, uh, thought, which I think perhaps leads us further down what we're trying to do here. And you don't recall the specific details of those movies, which is fine because those yeah. movies were about twenty to twenty-five years ago, probably longer. We are going to endeavor to watch, rewatch, yes. watch for the first time in some yes. cases, yeah. some movies, and we are going to be talking about them. That's right. Today we're proving that we are excited to talk about them, but we also, you know, if you're Danny Ocean and I'm, who's Brad Pitt? Rusty? Does he? Rusty, does that, that is correct. Rusty? Yeah. I don't know. That can't be his real name. That's got to be. Does he get a last name? I don't know. We've got homework to do. Mm, but yeah, good question. We've got this idea, but we need to come up with plans, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about these movies and we're clearly very enthusiastic and we have lots of different ones that we care about and lots of reasons. And I think, you know, um, I like this idea that you have that the heist movie shouldn't just be about the robbery, but the whole movie should feel like a set of twists and turns and cons, even if they're not in the process of 
breaking into a vault, they should still be behaving in a manner that has um, twists and subterfuge and misdirection. Um, but yeah, we need to say like, so how are we going to be talking about these movies? And, and dare I say, dare I ask why? Well, I think the, what we should establish early on, and you and I did have this conversation, is we shouldn't necessarily restrict this to the best heist movies. This is not a top 10 list of the greatest heist films ever made. That's something okay. you can search up on your own time. They're out there. You can agree with them. You can disagree with them. Might we use them uh, to generate some ideas for us? Absolutely. We may agree or disagree. I think this is more of an appreciation of even attempts at making a great heist film. And they maybe didn't work out so well, but are worth us looking at and discussing because mm -hmm. we remember those films for whatever reason it may be. Just because it's not a great movie doesn't mean it wasn't a fun movie and wasn't mm -hmm. something that we like talking about. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's going to be it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, right. if you will, of, of the heist genre. There are great ones where everybody's going to know that is an amazing heist film. We're going to do bad heist films because mm -hmm. seeing how something goes wrong, I mean, that's, that's just how you gather data and you perfect a product is you try everything and you see what sticks and seeing something fail often leads to success. Yeah. And seeing where people have gone horribly wrong uh, may work uh, out to, to uh, a benefit for this project. And The Ugly, which there are a lot of really, really bad films in this genre. Mm -hmm. And I think if we reserve just the best ones, we're going to be not seeing the complete picture. So I look forward yeah. to seeing a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's, it's been around for a while. It's a durable form. Uh, even if we say, hey, I can't remember the last pure heist film I saw in theaters, I would still say Mission Impossible movies have the DNA of heist films in them. Um, the, the fifth Fast and the Furious movie, I think, is one when the, the franchise turned a corner and said, let's add a heist element. Uh, I think they actually physically pull a vault out of a bank on chains <laughs> and drag it around Rio de Janeiro. If that's, you know. so I've seen that commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is something that we do still care about, even if we don't do it in a pure way. And yes, we're constantly because it's so much about style and trickery and pulling things off. I do think it is in kind of the DNA of cinema. And any movie that is attempting to be a heist film, whether or not it is successful, it is still trying to tell us something, or at least try to ask questions about the heist film, saying, "What if the heist film was also a musical?" What if people were singing songs while they performed the heist numbers? That's the gambit. That's the 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 conceit of Hudson Hawk, which is not thought to be a good movie by very many people. I have a soft spot for it, but it still suggests, you know, why can't a good heist sequence feel like a song and dance number? You know, and so that becomes a kind of experiment that we can look back at and watch and say, okay, yeah, the movie might not be perfect. But what were these filmmakers trying to tell us about the heist genre with this experiment? And as you say, how might that lead to success? You know, when how you is that something that, that we've learned? I thought you were going to pull out a different example that I did not know, which was an entire heist film as a musical. A musical heist film? Yeah. I don't know of any. 
if, if they did exist, I bet they either came from France or Hong Kong. Uh, oh, but I will do my homework. I will yeah, look into put, put that on your list because yeah, I would, I would musical like to heist see film. That. Yeah, musical heist. I think the closest we would get to that would be the use of music of Nina. Is it Nina Simone in the Thomas Crown Affair? The the, at the, the remake. The yes. remake. The climax is set to a Nina Simone song. Right. That when he's going to do this, it is a kind of and it is an art heist. Often our, our favorite heist, we think. Um, crime shouldn't pay. And so we like it when the criminals are stealing art or precious objects rather than simply trying to make themselves rich. And we say, ah, this is pure style. They appreciate beautiful art. That's why they have to steal it. And we appreciate beautiful movies. And that's why we feel like we are empathizing with the characters in a heist film. You know? So you mentioned so, art. And that's yes. a, common, a common target in these films. If we're looking at what makes a heist film, are we in agreement that is this a critical component that we need to establish that in a heist film, there is at least an attempted theft of something versus, uh, I mean, is a bank robbery Mm -hmm. a heist? If I put a mask on and storm into the local branch of my bank with a gun and say, fill this bag with money, Am I carrying right. out a heist? What makes that different than a highly convoluted uh, theft from, say, a bank vault? That's something where I would say we do run into a distinction because I would say I don't think Bonnie and Clyde is a heist movie, but it's a movie about two people who rob banks, right? There are plenty of movies about outlaws who go bank by bank and maybe they rob banks with certain types of masks or maybe they have other forms of skills or some approach, like um, the Point Break movie. I guess they're all claiming to be presidents. Or, but, you know, the, those are just sort of like a habit for the criminals, whereas a heist does seem to be something that is showcased more and is meant to be central, and we savor it, and we appreciate the planning, and we marvel at the execution, and we, we gasp when things don't seem to be going according to plan and we get afraid, afraid, we get uh, um, uh, worried and say, well, what are they going to do with this new information? Whereas bank robbery movies tend to just say, here's how confident and brazen and how violent these people are. The thing about studying any genre is that you will always get both. You will always get examples of things that are doing both at the same time. So, I, I tend to err on the side of inclusion, to err on the side of let's be more generous with our definitions and at some point say, you know what? Let's see if we can find a bank robbery movie that also feels like a heist movie. How closely can these things overlap? What happens when we put them together? Even though there are movies that are just kind of crime movies about criminals who rob banks and we might not say, that doesn't feel like a heist. They don't seem to put much planning into it. They rob several banks. It all seems the same. And it's just a matter of the love that they develop for each other over the course of the movie or the, the addiction to the rush of robberies or the public changing their minds about how they feel about the robbers, right? I think there are bank robbery movies that don't seem to be interested in the same sorts of things as heist movies. Well, and so that's a distinction worth exploring. You led this off by making references to one of, it's the elephant in the room, and that's Heat. Yes. And the iconic scene in Heat 
yes. is not a heist. It's just two men talking to each other at a diner? Or the firefight in the street. Right, yes. Which is, is just a bank robbery. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a heist in the film. Yeah. I, I, but it, certainly... like you said, you said a bank robbery can feel like a heist, and that one does. And that, that yeah. proves your point. We're also, by the way, and I've made a note of this, so mm-hmm. you mentioned Point Break, which is great. And I would I agree. Make, the, make the argument the original Point Break with Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey. Mm-hmm. Is it Gary Busey or Nick Nolte? It's Gary Busey. It's Gary Busey. It's Gary Busey. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's a bank robbery film. The yes. second one, not a sequel, the remake in right, 2015 is a heist film. And the guy who directed that movie, do you know what mm-hmm. he wrote? Uh, the Communist Manifesto. Was he Ted Kaczynski? Did he write the Unabomber Manifesto? He wrote the Thomas Crown Affair. Really? The guy who directed it mm-hmm. wrote, he wrote the remake? He, he was the yeah, screenwriter he, for the remake? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because there was an original movie before the yes. Pierce Brosnan. Well, that's going on the that's going on the list. I think Point Break remake. Point, Point Break, break remake. remake. A movie. Uh, in fact, the only heist film I've seen on a plane. Interesting. I can guess a heist, is can, a, can a heist movie happen on a plane? Um, I would say uh, why not? I'm sure they yeah. exist. Um, you, I mean. I was going to say, would Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight work for our podcast because it opens with a great heist scene, like The Return of the Pink Panther. It has mm-hmm. both of them start with heist scenes, but then the rest of the movie is more about just the world of criminals. Um, and then that was so successful that Christopher Nolan follows it up with The Dark Knight Rises, which has a cat burglar a cat mm-hmm. named Catwoman, um, but it also tries to top the opening of The Dark Knight by saying, Okay, now we're going to have an assault on an airplane in midair. You know, um, so I guess they they're kind of stealing Doctor Pavel, the nuclear scientist, from a an airplane in midair. Um, Cliffhanger, I think, opens with a midair heist, right? Cliffhanger, if I recall correctly, one plane. Yeah, they're sending. Yeah, you because know, the because they lose it over the mountains. The, the heist goes wrong. Yes. And I, John... I John, don't yeah. recall the... Because de- there's an inside man. Yes. And it's yeah. like... It's nothing... It's not... I want to say it's like the Federal Reserve is moving money from point A to point B. And the crew has... Uh, there's like a disgruntled federal agent who gives them information that allows them to access the plane. And something goes wrong. The plane crashes. That is a great Michael Rooker performance. Yeah. I, that is a movie consistently where I wish I liked it more than I did. The parts are so good. The individual scenes um, and the opening is so well made. But that's part of it. Is the, it starts so well that nothing quite lives up to it. And I never think it settles on a consistent tone. And I always find it a disappointment by the end of it. You and but I, saw I Cl- we saw Cliffhanger together. Man. You have a much better memory than me. I couldn't tell you what theater we saw that in, but yeah. um, I want to say that was an Innis College freebie, but uh, I can't say for sure. Okay, you may be right. You may be right. But for the sake of time, I want to try to nail down a couple of other variables of how we might discuss these movies, and then we have to set up our next episode. We do. Uh, because we've got a ritual that we've prepared 
of uh, playing beat the clock of trying to talk about the movie in 30 seconds flat in a, in a couple of minutes, I'm going to ask Siri to flip a coin and uh, Siri <laughs> will tell us whether you or I will be trying to summarize our first film in 30 seconds. But Fingers before that, crossed. I know, I, I don't know who I'm rooting for. I, I would enjoy trying and I would enjoy watching you try. Um, I was thinking about the fact that you enlisted me into this um, scheme of yours and I thought, okay, Sean wants to do this. Where's Sean coming from? And I thought, you know, Sean uh, is a big sports fan. He has his, uh, you know, sports-related Blue Jays Twitter account of, of uh, 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 substantial acclaim. And he has his habit of going to historical ball games, uh, stadiums. Um, and I thought, well, maybe that's part of why Sean likes this type of movie, because they're kind of like um, teams, you know, they're about teams of men doing things together. You know, is this something where Sean wants to say, hey, we should pick the MVP for each movie, for the, the member of the team that had the most impressive or most important job? Or is there like a sports analogy of that was the greatest double play? That was the greatest maneuver? What was the most striking error? Are there ways in which you see this analogy as useful? That you think that there's a love, that if your love of sports and your love of heist films have a kind of shared DNA. The term historical ball game stadiums should never <laughs> exit your mouth again. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, you know, uh, extemporaneous speaking, it's not for everybody. Uh, you, you're allowed, when you do extemporaneous speaking, I'm a professional teacher and I speak, and you're allowed to correct yourself. You're allowed to say, I think I mean sports arenas, what baseball stadiums. That's the that's what normal people would say. I'm normal not people. Sean. You're Danny Ocean. You're the leading man. I'm I'm the quirky weirdo with the specialized skill. I am I am, don't, the, I am the salt and pepper hair yeah. every man. You're the um, silver fox, Danny Ocean. Housewives and, uh, swoon at my approach. Look, you mentioned team sports, and and many heist films are 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 team based. Yeah. They're uh, mostly men. They're mostly dudes doing things that is, together. That is very true. I we mean, need to talk about that. There are sports where it is an individual performance. It's one person out trying to beat the clock. Uh, there are team sports where there are nine guys on the field. And mm -hmm. uh, I think teamwork, working together, if individuals working together are not necessarily the ones carrying out the heist. There's always that support network. There's the fixer, there's the fence, there's the driver. And it's that, that interaction between them, which is such an important part of the heist yeah. film. I think we're going to have to unpack the, this is a male dominated genre at some point, because that's true uh, yeah. for, for good or for ill. And that's something that we, we can look at. But that's certainly uh, part of it. As far as an MVP is concerned, I think any good teammate is always going to tell you that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a team-based uh, team sport, Chris. And there's no, mm -hmm. there's no one guy on the team who, uh, who carries it. So I don't know if I want to be on the hook for, for assigning uh, MVP status to anyone from... Uh, uh, any of these projects, any of these films we're going to be uh, talking about, but I kind of like where you're going with that. I like the, I mean, I feel like, you know, this is a podcast. I don't know if we need to come up with segments right now. I, or, I, I don't think, know. Are, I think it, it, let's uh, basketball does the sixth man of the year. So uh, for okay. those of you who refer to them as historic ball game stadiums, 
Um, <laughs> in basketball, there are five players on the court. Uh, mm-hmm. They, at the end of the season, the league awards an MVP award for the best overall player. They also have an award called the sixth man. And that's essentially not a starter. It's a bench player who contributes um, in a large capacity for the role that they have. And it's truly unique. No other sport does it. And they basically find a guy who who does not get the minutes um, and is the unsung hero. And great, it's usually the team that wins a championship because that's how championships are won is with unsung heroes. And I like the idea of, idea of doing an unsung hero because an unsung hero is not necessarily, it could be the screenwriter. Mm. It, it could be the cinematographer. Uh, uh, it's not necessarily someone that is going to be on the screen. It could be someone involved with, uh, it could be a location scout. You might think, you know, this movie was, was all right, but damn it, you know, where they filmed it and the way they set that up made that for me. And that's the memory that I have. So that's something yeah. that I would like to do is the unsung hero. Uh, the unsung hero. Yeah. Okay. I like that. The sixth man. Is that the, the, the way to refer man. to it? Let's do it. The yeah. sixth man. Because what, what did I describe it? National ball watching stadium <laughs> throw around buildings? That's going to be our, our next podcast will be called <laughs> Historic Historic Ball Game Stadiums with Chris and Sean. Historic. Yeah. People would love my commentary on Historic Ball Game Stadiums. <laughs> Um, okay, so the six, we will ask ourselves who is the sixth man. Yeah. Now, I like the idea that because you're talking about the movie itself as a work of art, that it could be the screenwriter, the composer. Um, but I was thinking about the characters in the movie. I was thinking of the story itself to say the could people be. who pulled off. So maybe we want to find the sixth man on screen and the sixth man off screen um, to see, yeah, who, how well is the team working and are, are, do we get wonderful showcases for individual people? So we can play around with that. Um, is a prison break a heist? Is The Great Escape a heist film? There are crimes of opportunity and there are heists of opportunity. If mm-hmm. a jailer was to leave a door opened and a prisoner was to rush out, that's not a very convoluted plan. But right. if a prisoner puts together a highly complex operation involving mm-hmm. multiple people, resources, uh, diagrams, uh, uh, mm-hmm. gadgets, gadgets yeah. etc. Costumes. Yeah, we're, we're coming into heist territory, and The Great Escape is a fantastic example. It does seem like it would be silly to throw that away, given how much it feels like a heist film. And as a result, again, it does feel a bit like an experiment to say, what if the thing that you're trying to steal is yourself? What if the thing you're trying, you are in the vault and you're trying to get out, you know, um, it's Warner brothers keeps trying to make money out of the oceans franchise. They've made four of them now oceans, 11, 12, 13. And then they made oceans eight with Sandra Bullock. And I would imagine they were hoping that they would also make oceans nine and oceans 10 so that that trilogy would eventually match up with oceans 11, 12 and 13. I think they're working on a prequel um, as well. So would it be a legitimate movie to imagine all of those characters in jail and saying, okay, we all got arrested for one of our previous heists and now we just have to get out of jail, you know? Uh, and I think the great escape would be an answer to say, yeah, that's, that would be an interesting twist on a heist movie with these guys. I'm just now thinking of the oceans prequel as being like the Muppet babies where they're all kids. Yeah. Um, They're trying to break out. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are great, great prison break films. 
out of sight uh, comes yeah. to mind with George Clooney, who is Danny yeah. Ocean. But it's not a very complex element of the film is the escape from the prison. It's almost it's uh, yeah. it's a fait accompli. It just it just happens and it, it kind of ties the film together. It bookends it. There's an escape at the beginning and there's a, a, you know, a it's leading up to an escape at the end. But I don't think it's it really would match up with what we would consider to be a heist. Yeah, um, same um, as Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Crime film, some robbing, some taking of things, some sneakiness, but not central and organized enough. I like your your idea of you are stealing yourself. You're removing yes. yourself from a highly secure area, and mm-hmm. uh, that is essentially what you're doing with a heist. Is you're removing something of value and what's more valuable than your your own person especially if you're in danger well and then for some people like um christopher nolan tries to make it even metaphorical with inception he said in some interviews that he considers inception to be a heist movie Mm -hmm. even though technically what you're doing is sneaking in and breaking into something and implanting an idea you're not actually removing something you're adding something you're giving people ideas in their brains right if I recall correctly, isn't that mm-hmm. what that's exactly? But about? is that not the most secure vault there is? Your own right, thoughts. exactly. But again, yeah, I think. But it's also like it's not that we're taking something; we're adding something. So what we are taking is your sense of self. We're taking away your autonomy. We're taking away your ability to think your own mm-hmm. thoughts. So there are movies that become very metaphysical and philosophical. You know. Um, the French love their existentialism and their heist films have been popular since the late forties and fifties. And often the pleasure is watching men think they can control the world, watching men have a plan and organize the world and say, this is what is going to happen. We are smart. We have control over the world. And then we watch and enjoy what proves them wrong, what trips them up, what gets in the way and often it's very delightful to see what a tiny, small thing um, wrecks their plans. And so there's almost like a sense of arrogance being punished. How dare you think you can control this crazy world? The world is too complicated and too diabolical. The world itself will always defeat your attempts to control it. So there is a philosophical component to the heist film. So we, we may yeah, have to be a little bit abstract we may have to get philosophical ourselves so are are you ready for this this project i think we've got to the point where we're ready to jump in i think we can i think maybe we should just the best way to talk about what our next movie is we have not named it and maybe this is how we should do it we should say our introduction to the movie is going to be 30 seconds flat one of us sets it up to set up the next episode. We have a movie in mind for episode one. This is episode zero. We will re-listen to this and decide if we will ever release this episode zero. So no pressure. But I do like the idea of ending episodes by saying, okay, well, what will our next movie be? You don't know yet. You're going to find out in 30 seconds flat when one of us tries to summarize it Mm. for you. Are you ready to flip the coin? Yeah, flip the proverbial coin. (laughs) Okay, choose heads or tails. I choose heads. Heads, okay. Siri, flip a coin. It's tails. Okay, so that means it's me. Okay, so do you want to set a timer? 
I've got a timer on my screen. No, do you want to, can you use I, a phone? So no, I've got a timer here as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start you at 30 and okay. I'm going to give you a reminder at 20, yep. 10, five, and then game over at zero. So okay. at 30, 20, 10 and five and five. Okay. So tell me when, tell me when the, we start the clock, just do say need, start the clock. Do you need to collect your thoughts. Are you ready? No, I, this is a movie I know pretty well. I have a I have a fair amount of confidence. I, I, I am the person who misspeaks when it comes to describing baseball, building arena, object throwing rooms, Did but you I think I can this? describe Did you have this on a cue card. I don't have a cue card. No, but I, I think, I have a good running start because I know this movie pretty well. We One. chose wisely. So. All right. So, well, in 30 seconds flat, Chris, tell mm -hmm. me about Sneakers. All right. Sneakers is a heist film from 1993 about a group of security operatives who test people's security systems for their banks and their offices, and they're given a government job to discover a mysterious black box, and they find out that that seconds. black box has something going on that connects to their past and an evil figure from their past is going to manipulate them and find out what that black box is for. And it's, it's a delightful film with a wonderful cast of characters and actors and a lovely comic tone and a beautiful Five. music score. Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, Ben Kingsley, Dan Aykroyd, uh, David Strathairn. Time is up. River Phoenix fans will never forgive me for not getting him into the 30 seconds. But come back next week and we will talk about that delightful heist film from 1993. I, I, I like, for, for my ending here, I would like to say it's almost perfect that we, we discussed how heists are magical. And if you watch the end credits of next episode's film, it has a sleight of hand coordinator. Really? In uh, Sneakers has a sleight of hand coordinator. And he makes appearances in other heist films. The per is it Ricky Jay? It's Ricky Jay. Ricky, Ricky Jay. Ricky Jay is the sleight of hand coordinator for sneakers. That is the sixth man right there. Ricky exactly. Jay. Oh, so, he's a wonderful, wonderful I, man. I like to know. how we tie that in with magic and yeah, sneakers. And I, Ricky I was Jay. hoping I could somehow fit that in. So that is exciting. So I look forward I, to our next episode on sneakers because it's a great I, movie. It's a great movie that I thought that I knew inside out, but I don't recall the actual sleight of hand. Uh, um, I, I, I just watched it within the past few days to get ready, and okay. I would not have been able to remember the sleight of hand either. And okay. you'll, you'll, as soon as you think about it, it will come to you. But There's so much, time. so much good stuff in there. I cannot wait. Um, let's leave it there. That's how we'll end our episodes with the, the 30 seconds flat description of what's coming up. And, um, yeah. See you next time. <laughs>